Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. For those of you who do not know me, my name, <clears throat> sorry, my name is Mike Davis. And so I'll let you guys in on a little secret, maybe for those of you who have not heard me speak before. Usually what happens is everybody says, wow, you did such a good job, so much better than Matt. Now, nobody ever means it, but it's nice to hear afterwards. So just keep it going. Um, but no, it is, it is a great privilege to, to be here, to be able to preach from God's word today. Uh, so I always count it as a privilege, an honor to do that. And so I know my shortcomings, I know my inabilities, and so I need to trust God. So if you don't mind, we're going to pray again. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are, that you are a great, majestic, holy God. And so I pray that through the preaching of your word that we might see the church today. We might see the church as you had designed it to be. God, I pray that both individually and corporately that we might live this out, that we might live our lives like Christ, that that would be our goal, that that would be our pursuit today. God, I know my words are, are weak, but God, I pray that just the power of your word and the power of your spirit will be able to move in the lives of our hearts today. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, imagine if you were to build your dream home, right? If you were given however much money that would be, but you were able to build your dream home. So maybe some of you, that would be the perfect kitchen. You would have a nice granite countertop or island right in the kitchen. You would have the family room there where you could cook up meals. Your family would be there, have a great time. Maybe for some of you, that'd be maybe a back porch. It would look off right into the sunset, and you'd be able to just have a tranquil time watching the sunset. Or maybe for some of you parents in the room, that would be you having your, your room on one side of the house and your kids on the other side of the house so you don't have to hear them yelling and screaming all night. Whatever it is, like if, if you were to build your dream home, there's certain things you'd have to have in order for that to happen. Before you have the, the back porch, the kitchen, the bedroom, you'd need to have a foundation. You, you'd need to have somewhere to build it off of. But secondly, you'd also need to have the framing. You'd have to have the studs. You'd have to have everything to, to build up the house the way that it should be. I think as we look throughout Scripture and, and we look at specifically the text in Ephesians 4 today, we're going to see how God is in the construction business. That we saw that in the beginning in Genesis 1, that he created all things. But we see this more specifically, that God is in the business of building his church. Now, God is the grand architect of all of life, and he is building his church for a specific purpose. He is, he is making this unique and beautiful, more beautiful than a Van Gogh or Monet painting, more beautiful than the mountains or waterfalls. Like God is building his church, and it's not the four walls of, of a building. It is the people of God, that, that God is working to redeem sinners and to make them look like Christ. Like, that is the goal of the church. And so as we, like I said, look and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 today, I hope just to kind of expound a little bit more of what that looks like. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, it says, And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry 
for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so, even as we begin this passage, this amazing passage of kind of what the, the church is designed to be, what, what the church should be, Paul says that it begins, and he says in verse 11, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And so God himself, through the inspiration of the Spirit, is saying there is a certain structure, a certain way that the church should be. Now, not to get too bogged down to all these specifics, but in looking just, just at the first two, it says the apostles and the prophets. And so oftentimes when we read a letter or when we read something from Scripture, it helps to look at the full letter. It, it gives insight into what we're saying and, and what Paul is saying here. And so we even see this in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19, to give us a little more insight. Paul, in speaking about the Jew and Gentile, he says in verse 19 of chapter 2, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple, into the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so the first two, the apostles and prophets, as, as we look at in, in earlier in this letter, are referring to the Old and New Testament. It's referring to Scripture. The apostles who had written the New Testament and the prophets who had spoken the words of God and, and put together the Old Testament. Paul is saying that First and foremost, the church is to be built upon Scripture. That, that Scripture is the only foundation that we have. That no other foundation will do, no, no wisdom of man, no philosophy. Like the, the foundation of what the church is to look like is based on Scripture. He says evangelists, thirdly, the, the people who share the gospel, right? the people who go out, share the gospel, cast the seed. And then he talks about the the shepherds or pastors and teachers. And so just to, to build out the analogy, right? we have the, the foundation, which is God's word. And then we have the framing, we have the studs, we have the, the structure of how the church is to look like. And that is the evangelists, the pastors, the shepherds, the teachers. But the question we might have is, okay, well, what is that for? What, what, what is the purpose of all of this. And I want to look at, chapter, uh, at verses 12 for a large majority of, of our time today. It says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so looking specifically, we, we, we need to unpack what this is. If this is the, the goal of the church, to, to build up the saints, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, we need to know Okay, what, what does that mean? What, what is the work of the ministry? 
And so, beginning with that, the work of ministry. What, 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 what is the work of ministry, and, and even what isn't the work of ministry? Now, so, some, some of us might think that the work of ministry is just the ministries of the church. It, it's the maybe Kids Club, Awana, the outreaches that we have. But what, what about the, the people who are unable to do that due to other circumstances? Are they not working for the ministry, working for the kingdom? What, 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 what do we do with the people who are unable to work for the ministries of the church? Or, or on the other side, does that mean that the pastors and missionaries, those who maybe devoted their lives to ministry, that they are superior, that they are better, that they're, like, God looks on them and said, okay, you're the people who got it. You're the people who did what I wanted you to do. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think as we look at, at Scripture and even as we look at what Paul is talking about here, the work of ministry, that that is for each and every one of us, right? As, as we look at even the word ministry in Scripture, the, the, the word ministry is just translated service. The, the, the word ministry is of giving of yourself to serve. And so even as, as we go to the Gospels and, and what Jesus says, Jesus says, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And now, okay, what, what did Jesus come here to do? Well, what did he come here to serve? As, as we have been looking in, at the book of Matthew, the, the, the kind of theme of Matthew is the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God that is ushered in through Jesus and is brought and visit, made visible through Jesus and the sharing of the gospel with that. And so... Again, well, if, if we're sitting here and thinking, okay, well, if it's just the ministries of the church that we're supposed to do, just look at, at time-wise, right? We have ministries throughout the, out the week. If, if it's just Awanas, if it's just um, Kids Club, if it's just outreaches, the, the, the best we can do to, to work for ministry would be maybe a couple hours a week. But again, I, I think Paul is showing us that it's, it's bigger. It's for the engineer in the room who works 40 hours. It's the single parent who seems has two full-time jobs. It's for the construction worker. It's for the teacher. It's for every single person. As he says, it's for the saints. It is for the believers. Like, this is the job responsibility of every believer. Looking at my situation in life right now, 28-year-old trying to figure out what job? What, what, what am I supposed to do? What, what, where should I go? What should I do? What, what job is, am I supposed to pursue? I think scripture is, is pretty clear what we're all supposed to do. We're, we're, we're supposed to make much of Jesus. We're supposed to disciple. We're supposed to love others. And so here we have the same kind of job description, job title, is that each and every one of us as believers is to do the work of ministry, is to build up the kingdom of God both internally in our own lives and externally in sharing that love and kindness and joy with others. And so I think in, in that sense of working for, working for the ministry is the building up of the, of the kingdom, the building up of the body of Christ. That, that is 
what we are called to do. That is our purpose in life. That is our purpose as the church, to build up the kingdom of God. And so, okay, you might be saying, well, what does maybe the kingdom look like? What, what is the kingdom of God that we are supposed to pursue, that we are supposed to build? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked, because as we see kind of in the first part of this, it is the equipping of the saints. And so there is a foundation. There, there is a framing of how the church is to, to act, how it is to behave. And the, the godly leaders that we have are meant to equip the saints, are, are meant to equip every single believer for this work of ministry, for, for the work of ministry that the engineer who, who works 40 hours a week is to do his job as unto the Lord. He, he is to, to be the best engineer he can, to be the, the best um, putter together of things, if that's, that's the way to put it. Um, it is for the single mom who is to love her kids well. It, it is for her to give of herself sacrificially, to love her kids, to, to love her neighbors. It is for every job, it is for every situation in life. Like That is what we are called to do. And so, what does it look like to be an equipped believer? Right? If, we're, if we're looking at this text and, and we understand that the goal of the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, is to equip believers, I think the logical question is, what does it look like? Well, what does it look like for each and every one of us as believers, as saints, to live out what we are called to do, to live out this job description that we have? And so I think as we follow in the, the course of this, this passage here, I think we have three things that we can, we can see. I think the first one, um, one way in which we can live out the life of an, an equipped believer is through knowing God. We see that in verses 13, 13 and 14. It says, Until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ, so that we may longer, no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. And so in, in these couple of verses here, Paul is talking about attaining to the unity of faith, a knowledge of the Son of God. So what, is, what does that mean? And so I think sometimes in English it's, it's hard to come across, right? We have the word knowledge. We, we have the word knowing. And you can say, yeah, I, I know that Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, right? You can have that intellectual knowledge. But then it's something completely different to say, I know my wife, or I know my husband, I know my children. There, there's something different that we don't necessarily kind of pick up on in the English language because we have one word for knowledge. Other languages um, as some of you know, I spent some time in Costa Rica, and so I learned the Spanish language very, very little. But they have two types of words for knowledge. They have saber, which is the kind of facts. You know a fact because you read it in a history book. But then you also have the verb conocer, which is, I intimately know this person. Even as we see throughout Scripture, we have the same, same idea, right? That in the Old Testament says, Adam knew his wife Eve. That there's an intimate sense in which you have 
a knowledge of that person. And so for, for the believer, for, for us to be equipped believers, it says, until we attain to the knowledge and unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And so there is a knowledge that we are to have of Jesus. It's not just an intellectual knowledge. It's not just, okay, I believe Jesus lived like I believe George Washington was president. It's not like I, I believe and have these facts about Jesus. But it is a personal, it is an intimate relationship that we have with Jesus. This is foundational. This is paramount for the believer. It looks like to be an equipped believer means we have an intimate knowledge of God. We have an intimate knowledge of the Son of God, the person of Jesus. And so a question I would have for us is, do we have that knowledge? Do we have that knowledge of Jesus? Or does it sometimes be you know what, I have a, a big head, I, I have a lot of facts I know about Jesus, but do I truly know him? Do, do you know Jesus like you know your spouse? Do you know Jesus like you know a friend or a coworker, Or is it kind of like how you, you know George Washington or, or you know Christopher Columbus? Like you have these facts, you have this knowledge of, of this person, Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with him. Do you know, or maybe a better way to put it is, do you treasure Jesus? Do you desire to be with him? Do you desire to know him as you would a family member, as you would a spouse? Do you have that same desire to know Jesus? Because, like I said, what it looks like to be an equipped believer, what it looks like to live out the life that we are called to as the church means that we need to first know Jesus. We need to have that intimate knowledge with Jesus. But secondly, um, what does it look like to be an equipped believer? It means we're going to grow into Christ-likeness. Look at what it says in verses 15. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. This verse here makes it clear, like, okay, we are to grow and our pursuit in life is to be like Christ. That the goal of every believer, every saint, is to be like Jesus. And so, I, I, as I was reading and studying, the one word that really pops out is that we are to grow. Right? And so, again, as, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm 28 years old, and I thought... I had life figured out, right? Like, as any 28-year-old is like, you know what, I got this. Like, life isn't that hard, I got this. I'm sure maybe some of you are in that, that same situation. If you have life figured out, let me know. That would be helpful for me. Um, but I thought I had it figured out. And due to kind of some circumstances this, this past year, it has been a growing year. It, it, it has been growing personally growing internally with, with kind of things that I didn't think I needed to grow in, right? That I, I've been looking at my life and I'm like, man, I'm 28 years old, but I feel like I'm in third grade in, in parts of my life. I'm like, how did I never grow up out of third grade in this? Like, I thought just with age, just with time, you'd grow up. But as I'm looking, I'm like, man, like, 
I'm a toddler in certain areas when it, when it comes to life. How am, I, how, how am I not growing? How am I not where I should be? And I think, as we see from, from the passage here, there's, there's a lot of active verbs. There's a lot of things that we are called to, we are challenged with, right? We are equipped, which is the idea that you're prepared for something. You're, you're, you're prepared and equipped and mobilized to do something. We, we come here... And we, we also see the word stature of the fullness of Christ, that, that there is a stature you are to grow into. There, there is a, an idea of growth into Christ. And so these are active things. These, these are things that isn't just going to happen if you're just like, you know what, I'm going to put life on autopilot and things are just going to carry on and go. Like There is a very real sense in which the, the life of a believer is one of activity. Well, one of growth. And so, as, as we look at this, I think we need to ask ourselves the questions, where do I need to grow? I, I don't think the question is, okay, if I need to grow, but the question is, where? The, the question is maybe, what aspects of my life is not looking like Christ? Maybe that looks at our hearts and says, you know what? Sometimes we hold maybe certain things with a tight fist. Maybe that's money. Maybe that's relationships. Maybe that's security or comfort. That we, we hold this so tight that we're not allowing God to, to grow our hearts in that sense. Or maybe that, that just comes to our view and attitude towards, towards Scripture or towards prayer. Like, we're like, you know what, like, things are good right now. I don't need to pray. I don't, I don't need to spend time with God. I don't need to be in his word. I, I think the challenge that we have here to be an equipped believer is that we need to grow. We, we, we need to grow and develop to be more like Jesus, to be, to be the, the goal of our life is to be like Christ. And so we need to examine ourselves and say, where in my life do I not look like Christ? Where in my life are there are there's gaps, are there's holes, and pursue that, and actively try to grow and develop, because that is our goal. And so the question I have for us in, in this aspect is, are we willing to grow? Are, are we willing to examine ourselves honestly? Are we willing to open up our lives and say like, man, I'm at, I'm at third grade, Right, right, in this aspect. I've maybe never grown up past third grade in emotions or in a, in a love for Jesus or in a love for others. Man, I'm, I'm in third grade. And where, where is it that we can, and what can we do to grow? Well, what can we do to, to look at this and say, I want to be better. I, I want to become more like Christ. If that is my goal, that is my pursuit, what do I need to do? And finally, thirdly, the, the, what, what does it look like to be an equipped believer? It means to love like Jesus does. It says in verse 16, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working, working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are most like Jesus when we love. Like Jesus is the embodiment of love. 
We, we, we see this throughout the Gospels, that it is pretty clear what the, the entire canon of Scripture says about humanity, that we have rejected God. We are his enemies. We have not wanted anything to do with him. And so Jesus doesn't say, hi, you know what? You guys had your chance. You messed it up. But what does Jesus do? Jesus loves us. Jesus humbles himself coming to this earth and says, you know what? You you did mess up. You know what? You you did reject me. You know what? You, You are my enemies, but I'm going to love you still. I'm going to demonstrate this love for you that while we are still sinners, Christ dies for us. Christ sacrifices of himself, his own life, and says, I'm willing to take the punishment that you deserve. I'm going to take that upon myself. Like, that is the good news of the gospel. Like, this is what Christianity is all about, is recognizing the love that Jesus has for us and responding to that. And so, for us, what what does it look like to be an equipped believer? It means loving like Jesus does. It means sacrificing of our time, of our talents. It means maybe that coworker that is messing up and just is that annoying coworker that somehow is in every, every workplace, but it's that coworker that messes up and it seems so un- unforgivable because of what they've done of forgiving them, of buying them a cup of coffee, of, of doing something sac- completely sacrificial but to love this other person. Or maybe it's, it's a family member or a coworker. To be honest, I don't, I don't know what's going on in the lives of, of everybody here, but I trust the word of God and I trust the Holy Spirit that, that he will bring about what that looks like in each and every one of our, our lives. That the gaps in our lives that nobody has arrived, no, nobody has, has reached perfection, nobody is walking around saying, I am the perfect imitation of Jesus right now. We will not have that in this lifetime. But I think as, as we desire, as, as the church, to be more like Christ. And so, what does it look like to be an equipped believer? It means to know Jesus. It means to grow in Christ-likeness. And it means to love like Jesus. So then you might be thinking, okay, great. Like Maybe you have some thoughts going on, but... What, what does it mean for this church? What, what does it mean for I Hope Community Church that we are a part of this, right? And so I think this is our goal and this is our pursuit of what we want, like even as we've been kind of looking at the mission of, of I Hope, right? We, we want to genuinely love God and authentically love people, right? Like that is why this church right here exists. I've been having a bunch of talks with Matt about what that, what that looks like and how we can best do that, how, how we can fulfill Ephesians chapter 4, how, how Matt, as the, the pastor and shepherd and teacher, he can make that open for us. But before you think, like, oh, man, Matt, like, this is all your job. This is your responsibility, Matt. This, this is all on you. I think, as we see from this, this passage, like, there is a responsibility that Matt has, There is a responsibility that the elders of this church have. But ultimately, it's individual. How how are we doing? What what are we looking like in this life? And so, how how can we do this as a church? How can we 
know Jesus more? I think the first way is, as we talked about, through knowledge, through the knowledge of the Son of Jesus. And so how is that fleshed out? How is that played out? Through the preaching of his word, through the teaching of his scriptures, through counsel, through all these things in which God has given us. Like This is the way that Christ has instituted his church, that we might preach and teach the word of God, that we might be able to understand being like, hey, Maybe I am an engineer, maybe I am a teacher, maybe I am a single mom. And there's questions of how does my life fit into the building up of the kingdom of God? Like, we all want purpose in life. We all all want to have some clarity of, okay, I am a Christian, but I'm not a pastor, I'm not a missionary. Like, how does my life fit into the kingdom of God? How does my life live out the pages of scripture of equipping the saints for the work of ministry? And I think there's definitely a way in which Matt and um, the people, the, the leaders here, are, are to feed into that, are, are to make clear, yes, engineer, yes, teacher, yes, single mom, yes, grandparent, that there is a, a real way in which we are working for the, for the kingdom. There is a way internally in which we are to grow and to be more like Jesus, but there is an external in which we are to love our kids, in which we are to patiently and graciously change the diapers of our children. Or there's a way in which we are to be that engineer and teacher and be hospitable, be, be kind, be generous to, to maybe those kids that we teach or maybe those coworkers that we have. There is a very real way. And so how we live this out as a church is through the preaching and teaching that us saints m- 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 will be equipped to do the work of ministry. Secondly, how, how do we grow to be more like Christ? Like, how does I hope help us, um, th- this church help us to, to live out what it looks like to grow in, in Christ-likeness? I think there's many ways, and again, talking with Matt uh, the past couple weeks has, has been just really awesome to, to, to see a pastor, to see somebody who gives of himself so much that he wants all of us to be those equipped saints, that he, he didn't pay me to say any of this stuff, so... Don't, don't, don't say that, but Matt has given himself, and, and I've been around different churches and, and around different people, but I will wholeheartedly agree that Matt's desire is for each and every one of us to be equipped, mobilized believers, that, that we might love Jesus in whatever circumstance we are in, whether it's a certain job, whether it's a certain age, whether it's a certain time of life, like, Matt wants to give himself to this, and so ways in which that, that is fleshed out through this is community groups, right? Like, we, if we are to grow, the, the, the uh, passage in, in Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron, right? That, that we're not meant to do this alone. We're not meant to, to figure out this whole Christian life alone. Like, we are designed as a body, right? Like, he uses that term in this passage that we are a body. And so you don't just see a hand moving around. It's always connected to the body, that, that us believers are made up of a unique and diverse background. And so the way in which we are to grow to be more like Jesus is through community groups, is, is through that, that is one way in which um, I hope wants to, to, to help us live out what it means to be an equipped believer. And so I, I would encourage you, if, if you're not in a community group, if you're not having that 
time of fellowship with other people. Join a group. I, I, I know Matt would love to talk to you. Um, Pat, I know d- different leaders here would love to, to get you plugged in because we see the value of community groups to, to fulfill what Paul is talking about here, to be that mobilized believer, to be that equipped disciple. We know that there is a need for community, a need for fellowship, to see maybe blind spots in our own life, to see maybe where, where I'm a third grader, you pointing out and being like, man, you are not where you think you are. You, you are a third grader in regards to emotions or a third grader in regards to loving others. And so we need community in order to help us to grow. And finally, how, how do we live out as a church what it looks like to love others? Well, I, I think, again, we, we've done a great job of, of being able to love the community of North Tonawanda through just different outreach events of the soup outreach or breakfast with Santa, just different things as ways um, to demonstrate that we love this, the people here. We, we love the city of North Tonawanda, and we want to help people to see the radical love of Jesus, that we have been so transformed by who Jesus is that we want to help other people to see that. And so I say all of these things because I want us to be equipped believers. I, I want us to live out the passage here in, in Ephesians chapter 4 that we might equip the saints for the work of ministry, that, that we might be prepared and ready, we might be mobilized to go out to maybe our, our neighborhood and say, how is it that I can help these people around me know Jesus? Maybe that's in our, in our workplaces and you're saying, okay, I'm internally to be somebody who loves Jesus, but I'm to demonstrate that love in kindness, in joy, in patience. And so, again, I don't know what everybody's circumstance in life is. I don't know um, what's going on. But I trust the Word of God, and I trust the Holy Spirit that he is going to bring about what that looks like for us. And as I conclude, I want to bring us back to the illustration in the beginning, the illustration of that that perfect home. And and like I said, Jesus himself is, is building his church, that he is the great architect and I got good news for each and every one of us. It doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on us having it all figured out, being perfect. But through scripture, we see that at the end, the church is the bride of Jesus. The, the, the church is going to be presented to Jesus in beauty and splendor. That the church is going to be the most beautiful picture, the, the most beautiful design in which God has created, that there, everything else falls in comparison to the beauty of Jesus, to the beauty of the church. And we see even from Philippians chapter one that what get God began in us, the, the work of salvation, he will bring it to fruition. He, he will bring it, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it, that what God has done through the lives of believers, he is going to bring to fruition. That the church will look beautiful that the church will look holy and perfect. And I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for the day in which the church is without spot or wrinkle, without any blemish. And so now, today, we are to grow in this process called sanctification. We are to grow to be more like Jesus. And so when we reach that, that end, when we reach eternity, 
that we will be that beautiful church as God has designed us to be. So I can't wait for that day. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you so much for just being able to see what, what the church is, how, how you have designed the church to be. God, and so I thank you so much for the leaders. I thank you for, for Pastor Matt, just himself of giving of himself so that he may build up the church, that he might equip us saints for the work of ministry. God, and so even as I look out in the room, I see different people in different stages of life with different jobs. God, I pray that you might help us to know that we, we are working for the ministry, not, not any specific ministry in the church, but more broadly that we are builders of the kingdom of God, that, that that is our job, that is our responsibility. And so, God, I pray that you might help us to, to know you more deeply. God, I pray maybe for some of them, some people here, that if they do not know you, God, that they will speak to a leader, speak to a pastor here, um, so that may, they may come to a knowledge of you. God, I, I pray for the believers here that we might seek to grow. God, that as tough as it might be to, to want to grow and to, to be challenged in certain areas, God, I pray that we can take that serious. I, I pray that we can look at our life and say, man, I'm not looking like Christ here. And so I pray that we can grow and through, through the Spirit convicting us, I pray that we can humbly come before you and say, help me to grow. God, and I, I pray that we might demonstrate who we are, that we are the body of Christ by the way that we love, that we might look like Christ in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, that that would be our, our goal for, for life. God, and so once again, we're just so honored that you are doing a work in us and you will bring it to completion, that you will present your church holy and perfect. And I look forward to that day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.